get off the sidelines. Time to get in the game. Welcome to the Triple Play Performance Podcast. This is Dr. Mike. And in this week's podcast, we are going to go over some of the questions that you guys have been asking me in regards to light. I've been getting a lot of questions on this on my Instagram channel. So we're going to talk about the questions that you guys have asked. All right, let's get into it. So the first question, and this is a very common question, is in the evening, is it better to have blue blockers or red light bulbs? So a lot of people are, they know about those funny glasses that look orange in your eyes. And they also know that there are different types of red light bulbs. And if you need these red light bulbs, the company that I like to use is called Cozy Health. And I'll link that in the description below. Um, it'll also be in the show notes as well. But a lot of people are like, okay, well, at nighttime, should I have those crazy blue blocking glasses on or does having the red light bulbs suffice? Now, my answer to this is it depends. It depends if you're going to be working on like your laptop, you're going to be on your mobile devices, or if you have lights that are not uh, red light bulbs going on in your home, or if you have, um, you know, like if you're going to go to the refrigerator or something like that. Now, that's the time where you would be wearing blue blockers. Now, some computers you can use like the the night function, uh, like Macs, I think have that. Uh, there's other programs called Flux that will change the temperature color of your screen. Now, if you have red light bulbs, then you wouldn't necessarily need to have blue blockers on while you have the red light bulbs on. It's kind of like defeating the purpose. But overall, you if you're going to be using laptops or all kinds of you know other screens and devices at night, then yeah, have those blue blockers on. If not, and you just have like the red light bulbs on, like the ones from Cozy Health, you don't need them. All right, next up. Question, are there any negative side effects on having solar on your home? Now, I think the question in in regards to this applies to, are there any negative EMFs or what we call non-native EMFs that we're being affected by, by having these solar panels on your home? Now, solar, solar panels in and of itself and having solar power is actually a good way to mitigate high uh, electrical prices. You know, here in Hawaii, we have high electrical prices, but overall, you know, you save, save some money on electricity. Now there, there's some controversy surrounding, you know, the, the efficacy of, of solar panels and how much, you know, waste that it produces and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to get into it in this video, but whenever you have a solar panel, you also need a thing called an inverter that will take that electricity um, that was produced from the solar panels and convert it into usable electricity that you can use in your house. Now, that inverter in and of itself does put off a fair amount of EMFs that can possibly uh, affect your body. Now, there's non-conclusive evidence, but there are enough studies that have been done showing not necessarily the, the effects of the inverters in and of itself. I may be wrong. There may have been studies um, that have come out that I've been not aware of, or even after I'm making this, this uh, podcast, but 
that I'm aware of, I'm not, I've not seen any type of negative side effects directly. Now, indirectly, there have been studies that have shown that you using or being exposed to these non-native EMFs have created an influx of calcium. So it affects what's called the voltage, voltage-gated calcium channels. And this can then affect how your cells are functioning. I'm not going to get into how and the biochemistry of it all, but note that it does affect cellular function, right? Now, the thing about EMFs that you guys have to understand is that it's all about the distance from the source and how long you're being exposed to that. So a lot of people get freaked out by any EMFs and you don't necessarily need to because if you're if you're going in and out of these fields and allowing your body to efflux the the calcium that's getting an influx from being in those fields then your body is resilient. Now, if you're in a lower compromise state, uh, physiological state in your body, then yeah, you may want to mitigate as much of these uh fields as possible, but overall you don't you don't have to get rid of everything, right? You don't have to live in a lead-lined um, house. Now, if you are right next to the inverter on the on the solar panels, uh, that may have a detrimental effect on you because you're, especially when you're sleeping, you're being affected by these electromagnetic fields. Um, and that's the time when your body is supposed to be able to rejuvenate. It's supposed to be able to detoxify, but it's not being allowed to do that because it's being affected by these, these non-native EMF fields. So what do you do? Well, one, I would, I would highly suggest that you invest in some type of EMF meter that you can go around your entire home and kind of measure out all the different spots in your home that would possibly being affected that you could be affected by uh, stuff like your Wi-Fi router, um, different electrical appliances. A big one that a lot of people don't really realize, especially women, are the the hair dryers. Um, men use a heat gun uh, if you're using, you know, doing construction or whatever, and that can affect you. But look around your entire home, not just the solar inverters, but try and figure out where in your home are you being affected by these non-native EMF fields? And then if you find a hotspot, see how far away from that hotspot you can go to where you have a lower reading. So that's what I would recommend. Now, if you do find that maybe your bed is right next to that inverter from the solar panel, move your bed. Find that spot to where it's the least amount of EMF. So the lowest reading that you can get on, on one of those meters, right? And um, that's the biggest thing that I would recommend for having solar on your home, right? You don't want to necessarily just go and, hey, I have solar on my home. I'm just going to go and rip out all the panels. Now, look for the hotspots and then use distance as your friend. All right, the next one. Can you reverse blue light damage to the eyes? Now, I'm not an ophthalmologist. I'm not an optometrist. Uh, my good friends are optometrists and I've been around optometry for quite some time. But I don't know the intricacies of all the damage that comes from blue light that happens in the eyes. I, I have come across studies that have shown 
how visual acuity can be affected. I don't know the extent of it all. Now there have, I, I've, I've read some studies that have linked blue light exposures to um, different expression of like cataracts and all that kind of stuff. I don't know the physiology behind that, but the, the ultimate answer to, the, to this question is yes, possibly. And the reason why I say that, and I, and I can only speak from the clinical experience that I've seen with patients that I've worked with directly. Now, do not try this at home. It's my disclaimer, right? Do not try this at home. But there were a couple patients of what we did was we looked at utilizing red light panels to help their vision. Yeah, don't do this if you don't know what you're doing. But we've I've had a couple patients where they've had blue light damage that have that was done to their eyes and um we utilize these red light panels and we had them use it from an indirect right they're not looking directly into the into the panels but they're using indirect exposure and lo and behold their vision actually got better now was it directly because of the red light panels i don't know i can't say for surety on that but there was a significant change in their visual acuity so there was something there, right? So can you reverse that? Yeah. So one, it, red light panels. And two, the other things that we were doing was getting their nutrition right. So um, affecting their, their nutrition from an antioxidant, so decreasing um, their, their oxidative damage and also decreasing inflammation in their body. So there's a, a numerous things that we were doing using things like molecular hydrogen, um, having them just change their diet from a pro-inflammatory diet to eating more berries. Berries was, was a big one that helped to improve their, their visual acuity. And then also we were doing some chiropractic work that affected how their nervous system was, you know, being stressed out and all that kind of stuff. So yes, can you reverse it? But I can't say for sure, like these are the definite things, right? Every single patient will need a different approach. So it's not a definite answer, but there are possibilities. And the overall answer is yes, but it depends upon the person. Next one is, what are the best practices to manage blue light with a desk job? Great question. Now, my caveat to this is that not all blue light is bad, right? You need blue light and blue light's predominant during the daytime. And if blue light is what like wakes you up, keeps you keeps you alert. Now, the the bad thing is that when the blue light is the predominant one that it's not offset by the other parts of the spectrum, right? You got you got a whole bunch of other parts of the spectrum of the visible visible spectrum, right? Now we're all, you're you're only looking at one part of the spectrum when you're being exposed to it when you're talking about being exposed to blue light from a desk job. We're being we're supposed to be exposed to full spectrum light. So everything from the red part of the spectrum to the violet part of the spectrum. Okay? And also UV and we'll, and we'll talk about that later on um, down the line about the importance of of being exposed to UV light because I think UV light's been very demonized over the last couple decades, um, but we do need UV. But from from just from a visible uh, visible part of the spectrum, 
you need the full spectrum. Now, when you're working on a desk job, majority of the times is that you're you're getting exposed to blue light if you're um, if you're not use, utilizing you know the the screen color temperature changes or you're not wearing blue blockers um, on your on on your lenses. But it's not a bad thing. So what are the best practices? One is you can also you can change the temperature of of the screen just for visual uh, comfort. Next one is if you can work uh, at your desk job, if you can work close to a window and open the window, because windows in and of itself are one of the greatest sources of blue light that we you know you don't necessarily think about that. Because a lot of a lot of the windows will filter out every other part of the spectrum and and, and allow blue light in. Um, that's why you, you can see like sometimes there's this weird coloring on people's skins when they're taking pictures of themselves indoors, like next to a pan a, a glass pane. Now, what else can you do? Okay, so you're sitting next to a window, uh, and open the window, or you can just give yourself time limits on how much you work at the desk. You can install full spectrum lighting. You can also have a red light panel by you to offset that exposure to the blue light. So there's multiple ways um, that you can mitigate that issue when working at a desk job. Next question is how do, how do we get sufficient light exposure when you live in a cold country, this is a this is a very common question that I get. I often post about getting sun exposure um, for overall health, you know, and, and things like grounding. And the question is, well, Doc, what if I live in Canada or you know these northern latitude uh, ge- geographical locations where it's cold outside and we don't get as much sun? Now, nature always provides a way. And we got to look at, well, how else can we get the benefits of sun exposure without getting sun exposure? Now, there's, there's man-made things where we can use. Um, there's glasses called like the retimer glasses that shoots a whole bunch of uh, blue light spectrum into your eyes. There are lamps that you can utilize. Those work pretty good. There's another device, I think it's called a human charger. Trying to remember this off the top of my head, but I think it's called a human charger. It looks like earbuds and, and it shines light into your ear canals, which is supposedly supposed to affect your, your brain because it's shining directly into the nerves uh, in your ear. Um, I've seen more success just by u- utilizing you know the ones that I talked about there. I've seen more, more success with those glasses, the retimer glasses. They look like these green glasses, actually like neon green outline and then it shines bright light into your eyes i've seen more success with that to getting kind of like kind of similar effects uh, of getting light exposure when you live in a cold country the other one is investing in a red light panel right the majority of the 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 spectrum of light that you'd be getting from the sun would be the red red spectrum so Utilizing a red panel will give you some of the benefits, and um, and in in subsequent podcasts, I'll talk to you guys more about some of the studies that um, is really interesting about utilizing red light and, and how it affects your body. 
Now, another one that we don't necessarily think about, but we've relied on as humans for thousands and thousands of years is eating certain things that are located in these areas. And one of them is fatty fishes. Fatty fishes or any types of seafoods that that are growing and living in those areas is very useful to getting an equivalent of sunlight. And there's a whole whole physiology behind behind how that happens, right? I mean, and you they're all part of the food chain that's, you know, the, the sun shining on the, the phytoplankton, the phytoplankton is capturing these photons coming from the light and the fish eat the, the phytoplankton. And then we get the benefit from that, from being part of the food chain, right? The entire food chain is driven by the sun and we just got to go a couple steps down from that. And we're still actually getting the effects from the sun because at, at the core of it all, our whole bodies are driven by electrons. And these electrons have a specific signature that come from the signature imprint that it's getting from the sun. It's this whole crazy quantum physics. Um, I'm not even going to get into it, but it's very interesting about how all that happens. So how do you get sufficient light exposure? Well, you do all of those things, implement the, implement some of the dietary practices. And then also, I mean, you're still getting some sun exposure and some light exposure in those areas and just go out. And even if you, you got to bundle up because it's cold, go out, get some, get some light outdoors. You know, that that's another great way. So those are some of the common things that I've, that I've told, uh, that I've told, you know, people to implement whenever you live in a cold country. Now, another thing, and this is for those that are, that are really sick, and I've told this from the, the different clients that I've worked with throughout the world, is if your health is really, really in the tank and you need to get light, sometimes you got to move. Right? You look at animals, they migrate towards the equator when winter happens, right? The birds are flying south and you have all these uh, migrations that happen because that, that's what they need to do to live and to survive and to thrive. So if that's what needs to happen and you live in a cold climate and you your health is just tanking, I'd suggest moving. So again, that's just my opinion, but take it with a grain of salt. The next one, what part of the spectrum of light do we need and how do we get them? I said this in the, in the previous question, we need the full spectrum of light and all, a full visible spectrum of light. So from red all the way to violet, and then also the, the fringes of those uh, of the visible spectrum. So we got the infrared, right? Which affects how the cells are functioning. And then we also got the ultraviolet, which like I said, we're gonna talk about more, more of that down the line. But if we look at our skin, our skin needs UV to make vitamin D, right? It's the UV coupled with cholesterol that creates this, this chemical reaction to make vitamin D and then ultimately uh, getting activated in your liver and your kidneys. That's all driven by sunlight. Now, the other thing is that within our eyes, we also have receptors for UV. So our eyes need to be exposed to UV 
in order for our circadian rhythms to be driven in, in, in a proper fashion. Another thing is that we, we also have UV receptors within our gut. So it goes back to the other question that I answered previously about getting sunlight exposure when you live in a cold country or, or countries where you don't have as much sunlight is eating the things that have been exposed to the sun. And when, when it gets into our gut, we actually absorb some of the photons that have been trapped there um, through that process. Pretty interesting stuff. But to answer this question directly, what part of the spectrum? So from the infrared all the way to the ultraviolet, right? So that's that's the part of what we call like the, our, our light nutrients. Now, the other parts of the, the electromagnetic spectrum, we do get some benefit from it, but in we need it in only minute amounts until it gets to a point where it becomes detrimental. Like UV, we need it in, in certain amounts, but then you get too much of it and then it becomes detrimental. Same thing with infrared. So the visible parts of the spectrum. Now, in, in, in other podcasts, I may get into what, you know, the different parts of the visible spectrum, how that affects your physiology, because there's, you know, red light will affect your physiology the differently than say green or violet. So like in my practice, we utilize violet light and we've utilized it for skin issues. Um, acne is a big one where we've utilized violet light to get rid of acne. Uh, we've utilized green light to stimulate different physiological processes in, in, in the body as well. So utilizing different colors will create a different physiological response. Now we also know that colors will elicit different emotional responses as well. Um, we see in, in, in marketing, marketing uses this a lot and they talk about color branding and what certain companies utilize their color palette to create and elicit a different emotional response. So different colors will affect how your emotional um, reactions are happening. So it's like looking at your current physiology and then figuring out, well, what part of the spectrum do I need? Overall, we need the full spectrum, but then you can utilize different parts of that spectrum to create a different physiological change. So hope that helps out with, with that question. All right, guys, that's it for this podcast of the Q&As on light. Hopefully this was helpful. Again, if you found this helpful, please share this. If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe to our channel. Uh, if you're on the podcast, please leave us a review. We appreciate all you guys listening. Go follow me on Instagram. I do weekly Q&As, post out all kinds of different crazy content on, on, on Instagram. Um, I'm on Instagram, TikTok. Um, a YouTube shorts and YouTube channel all with that uh, the handle of triple play doc now if you've loved this share this with your friends and family and I'll see you on the next one till then be well and I'll if you enjoy this podcast leave us a five star review connect with me on Instagram at triple play doc stay tuned for more episodes tell your friends tell your family tell the entire world Till the next episode, be well and aloha.